I'm Nicholas Christian from Carnegie Mellon, and I'm going to uh, talk briefly about a paper that uh, Serge and uh, I, along with a couple of other people, wrote a couple of years ago. And uh, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I think that, number one, it's relevant to the audience here, and number two, I'm really interested in your ideas and in following up on that work. The question that we were trying to answer was, how much does it cost to have people actually willingly give us complete access to their machines? We hear all the time that all of these computers in this room are probably, well, not people who are running Macs, but everybody else is probably infected with a dozen botnets or so. What if we actually paid people to let us run bots on their machine? Um, and more importantly, why do they do so? So what we did was to pay people to download and run an unknown executable. I will show you in a second what it looked like. And every week, we would increase the payment we started with one cent, then for the second batch of participants, we said, okay, well, we'll pay you five cents if you wanna do that, then 10 cents, 50 cents, and eventually a dollar. We used Mechanical Turk uh, as an experimental platform, and we measured the number of people who actually saw the advertisement for this task, um, the number of downloads, so people who actually thought that this was a good idea, and the number of people who actually run the, uh, the malware. Well. So, the malware. The malware is not really malware because we are not completely unethical. Um, it is uh, basically just a, uh, it's, it was a timer that was also giving us a little bit of information about the system, which I will uh, detail in a second. We advertised it. Much to my chagrin, the um, IRB at CMU told us, no, you cannot pose as the Russian business network. Um, <laughs> so we said, well, okay, fine. We have to say CMU, so we'll say that it's the CMU distributed computing project but we're going to host that on a third-party domain that has nothing to do with CMU. We're going to use Hotmail and Gmail email addresses for the contact informations of the PI. Um, and if you Google the uh, CMU distributed computing project, there is no such thing. Uh, there was perhaps something in the 70s that, uh, that was called that, but uh, that doesn't map to anything real. Um, so people who would actually download and run this executable would be presented with a window like this uh, that didn't tell them anything about what was going on in the system except that there was a timer and when the timer expired a code would be displayed and you would enter the code to redeem um, the, uh, the reward. So uh, one question that we were wondering, that we were uh, interested in answering was whether or not current mitigations are effective. So for half, roughly half, well pretty much half of our participants, we got a UAC prompt. Uh, the UAC prompt is essentially something that says, you will see that in a second, this application wants complete control of your, your computer. Proceed or exit. Uh, so we collected data on the Windows version, the process list, that was the part that was um, uh, perhaps uh, a little bit less ethical than the rest. We actually wanted to see what kind of processes people were running to see if there was already malware on the system or if they were running antiviruses, things like that. So that's your UAC prompt. Uh, do you want the, to allow the following program from an unknown publisher to make changes to this computer? Yes or no? Um, and well, we'll see in a second what the results were, but this was basically um, the, uh, the breakdown. So, um, First thing that, uh, that is noticeable is that uh, quite a lot of people actually kind of fell for it, and I'm going to qualify that a little bit better in a second, uh, but basically what happened is that at the in the low payment conditions, 
we got more or less half of the people who viewed the ad who said, well, you know, that sounds legit. I'm going to download this application. Uh, and about half of those, give or take a quarter of the original pool, decided to run the application and run it to the end, which is something that we could measure. So uh, even for five cents, you've got about a 25% chance of getting a bot. Um, at 50 cents and above, uh, we had a statistical difference with the first uh, three conditions there, um, where basically almost two-thirds of the people who viewed the ad downloaded the program, and out of those, again, about half, so now about a third, or more than a third in, uh, in the one dollar condition, actually run, the, um, uh, run this, uh, this program. So the point is not to say, well, you know, users are idiots and they can be trusted. The point was to see, first of all, you know, try to understand why do they do this? Is it by pure monetary gain? And if so, what is the threshold? And also whether or not current mitigations are effective. Um, one thing that I didn't embed in this slide is that there was absolutely no statistical difference between the UAC condition and the non-UAC condition. So you present them with a warning telling them that the world is going to come to an end and people say, Let's go, right? <laughs> so <clears throat> this is what we observed. You may think that Mechanical Turk users are fairly advanced users, and indeed they, they may be. Um, out of 965 people who participated in this, 17 participants used the virtual machine. We know this because we had uh, something called red pill or blue pill, I forgot which one, which is actually detecting whether or not it's running in an emulated environment. We highly suspect that those were Mac users that wanted to get paid, and our program ran under Windows. With one exception, and I'll get back to this uh, individual on the last slide. Um, we noticed that about 17% of people had malware, 16.4%. We had very, very crude malware detection uh, engines, okay? So uh, this is clearly a lower bound. We also noticed that about 80% of people had security software. Now, you probably think, well, the two sets are complementary to each other. They are not. In fact, people with security software were, surprisingly to us at least, more likely to have malware on their systems. Why? Well, you may have an antivirus running, but if your antivirus definition is 72 years old, you're not going to catch anything, which is pretty much what was going on. So we were also trying to understand what was driving people uh, to um, behave so poorly from our standpoint. And so we had an exit survey for an extra 50 cents. Uh, 513 people responded. It's a pretty good response, uh, response rate. 40% uh, were from India, about 30% from the US and Canada. Uh, the percentage from, I used the uh, politically incorrect word that I got from the old slides. Um, the percentage from the, uh, the US and Canada increased with price, um, meaning that, well, Everybody's got a price, I guess. But the point was that we wanted to see if people thought that this was a good idea. And guess what? They are not stupid at all. They knew it was a terrible idea. They did so anyway. Why? So, um, again, they should have known better, but they participated once the price was right. So this is not people acting stupidly because they're stupid. It's people acting stupidly because they're greedy. I don't know if that makes us feel any better, but uh, it's the main finding of that, uh, of that paper. So why did, they, why did they do so? I mean, was it, were they just purely greedy? No, actually, this is something that we discovered in the, uh, in the survey. 
In the 70s, there were seatbelt and helmet laws passed in the United States, and people realized that we don't know if it's correlated. We don't know if there was causation, but there was definite correlation. People wearing seatbelts apparently were driving faster. And well, we figured out, because of the responses that they gave us, that they were essentially doing the same thing here. I've got an antivirus, so of course I'm downloading garbage from the internet, but nothing bad is going to happen to me. Well, except that you're having an expensive door lock and you just gave me the key to your house, but um, people apparently were essentially finding um, false aspirations of, uh, of security. I guess false perception of security. So <clears throat> to conclude, a few quotes from our victims, I'm sorry, our participants. Uh, people, some people, thought that this was really, really bad. It was a virus that uh, corrected everything. I, I think this person was either very uninformed or high, I don't know. Um, some, people, some people actually said, so we, we were monitoring forums essentially, and some people said, yeah, it looks really dodgy, but uh, it seems safe. Pretty sure it's a port scanner. No, it's not a port scanner. And the last one to me was the most interesting. It is very shady, but it pays on time, therefore it's trustworthy. So what did we learn? It's a, again, it's a simple experiment. It was, it was a fun experiment to run, and I really, to, to, to finish on a more serious note, I really want to build upon this. The first point is that large people, large fractions of people willingly give control over their machines for pennies. So if you want to run a botnet, this is probably a, maybe not a bad economic proposition. Warnings are not effective, we know that, but this is yet another confirmation. The Peltzman style effect is something that I found most interesting, and there is a complete confusion of threat models. With that, I will um, conclude and refer you to the paper which is available from my webpage if you're so interested. Thank you.